1: LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond, but at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant,
2: All right, Marketing School listeners, this is a 20 to 30 minute segment of a full interview I've done with an amazing founder, entrepreneur, creative, visionary. You're going to get a ton of insights from this. And if you want to listen to the entire thing, go search for Leveling Up with Eric Sue. That's the entire podcast that you're going to find. So you get 20 to 30 minutes here. And if you want the whole thing, you can just search for Leveling Up with Eric Sue. And without further ado, enjoy the episode.
3: In your own words, who are you? I'm a blogger. Yeah? Yeah, I, I blog and I help people build better websites.
2: That's well said. You know, one time we were at an event and people were introducing each other. This was at a private dinner. Yep. And one guy walked up to Syed. This is Syed Balki, everyone. And uh, founder of Awesome Motive. He has a bunch of WordPress companies. And uh, they're like, so what do you do? And Syed was like, I'm a blogger. And well. then the guy immediately was disinterested and he walked away. <laughs>
3: <Yes>. <laughs> but I am a blogger, right? I do, uh, I started WP Beginner, which uh, helps people build better websites using WordPress and WordPress is this open source software that powers 43% of all websites on the internet. So
2: yep. I'm a blogger. You and I, look,
3: we're, we're recording right
2: now. Those of you that are watching on camera, I am in shorts and I'm wearing slippers right now. <laughs> and uh, we're in a hotel room. So we thought we'd bring this, you this conversation and uh, because we've been doing this retreat for, we call it the Illuminati. We've been doing it since 2018 or so. Yep. And now we're now in 2024 and we thought we bring you some of these conversations over here. So here
3: Sayed, how do people have an exit every year in business? You run a profitable business and you take draws. I find it, I, I find it a little confusing. I'm perplexed by some of the founders choices where they, have no profit they're not running their business properly they're burning money and they're raising capital every time they raise capital they dilute themselves um, and only at the end of the day maybe like eight years down nine years down the road they will exit and the amount of money that they make from that exit because they've diluted so much and with different liquidation preferences and so on
2: five percent it, yeah, it doesn't yeah it doesn't turn
3: out to be as as you know wonderful of a story but you know, those big media outlets will never say, this is what the founder walked away with. They will talk about what the exit size was. But most of the money in, in those situations went to the venture capitalists and the private equities or whoever investor invested under good terms, right? So I believe that most businesses are not going to hit venture scale. Like, you know, it's rare that you will make a Microsoft or, or Amazon or the Ubers of the world, or you know, th- those businesses are rare um but there's so many more businesses that are wonderful businesses that grow steadily and if you run them profitably um i think you would have more than enough uh money to live off i mean i don't have very much needs in my life right you know i'm a simple person i have a beautiful family and that's what i focus on i don't need to buy mega yachts or or jets or anything like this you know i told you i come from pakistan and for me, what I have, I'm yeah. really, really grateful for. Yeah. And I think that, to me, is, is is a way to exit. Run a profitable business. Yeah. Every year, take a distribution.
2: Yeah. You know, we so we have mutual friends where they're taking 20, 30, $40 million distributions every single year. And that's a sizable exit event every single year. And the great thing is you still have the asset that you can continue to compound.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you, you know, when you build a business at that scale, um, you're able to deploy, you're able to... I mean, that that is life changing amount you of just some. Keep buying assets. Um, yeah you you can you can buy whatever you want at that point but right. that is life changing and you can you yeah. can do a lot of good you can give yeah. back to the world you yeah. can uh, donate to have philanthropy and um, towards the causes that you want. Yeah. What is your philosophy on masterminds,
2: peer groups, things like that? Because I think for even if you're whether you're an entrepreneur or not, it's something that's worth pursuing.
3: Absolutely, I think one of the best ways to level up. Um, at least what I've found in my career is surrounding myself with uh, with high performers, um, other like-minded people who are creative, who are hardworking, who are solving problems in a unique way, and um, you can learn from their experiences and apply them in your own journey. So. I actually prefer, this is my only way to network now. I don't like going to those 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 people events because I feel you don't go deep. You're you know, on the surface and you're meeting thousands of people. I prefer doing events like this where we're eight people, but we're going deep and we're really talking about the struggles, the challenges yeah. that you're having um, because they make a much bigger impact. So let, let's say you're someone that you're, you're like 18, 20 years old. So how does a teenager
2: or early 20 year old start building a network?
3: I think you start following people that you admire, that you're looking up to. Um, like when I was 23 or so, 24, I discovered uh, this value investor named Monish Babrai. Um, I read his book called tandu Investor and I followed all of his principles and, and so on. And fast forward about, you know, 19 years um now i'm in a mastermind with him and we're in a small forum group and we've become friends and i've learned so much from him so i think you you start you know by following the people and then what you will find is you'll find other people that are following those same same people and the same principles and that's how you build your cohort Mm -hmm. so you know i have our cohort right here then i have you know a different group that i hang out with um, that might be uh my mentors in some way, or I would feel that, you know, I looked up to those guys and still do. So. And so for each of these cohorts,
2: can you define a little more? Like what are you getting out of this one? What are you getting out of other ones? Cause I think you need different
3: masterminds or different groups or different things for, for different situations. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, you're only going to get out of something what you're going to put in, you know, so that you have to be prepared. So when we're um, coming and doing this to Illuminati event, what I really like about it is that one, we're all trying new cutting edge, you know, techniques, tactics, marketing hacks, um, business hacks. Because we're hackers, right? We all started with nothing. Um, you started with nothing. I was 16 when I started using WordPress. And um, so we're very creative and we have a unique way of solving problems. So. My biggest thing every time I walk away with it is some cool idea that's gonna yeah. that I can amplify. Um, in my forum group that I am with, I am getting a lot of wisdom and life lessons and philosophies on bigger picture things of yeah. how you do asset allocation, how do you think about life, and how do you think about kids. I have a seven year old, um, and I think that's probably yeah. gonna be my biggest contribution to this planet, yeah. So,
2: and your group that forum group, by the way, it's, it's a lot of great people in it, they're mostly capital allocators, right? Yes.
3: And uh, they're they're you know, they're a little older than you, right? So it's a little different. Um yes, and but I, I do value the experience and For sure. I, yeah and yeah. I think there's a lot of value, you know, to be part of that group, yeah. I really enjoy the conversations um and the energy that yeah. that's there and the wisdom that's there is yeah. next level
2: yeah so from that one you get you get life wisdom you talk more about capital allocation this one is like you know we're entrepreneurs but we're also marketers right, right. and then we're also around the same age too exactly so it's a little different you know we, we spent some time working out this morning too yep. Absolutely. yeah so f- funny thing is uh one thing i've learned is this right like you, you talked about fo- following manish Prabhai in your early 20s or so mm-hmm. eventually you get to meet these people right like you and i like. I messaged you when I was working on a company, you were like 21 years old. I think I was 25 years old or something. Yeah. Um, and then I was asking to do like an affiliate deal with you. We did nothing happened there. Yeah. Right. But eventually like a couple of years later we met up and then we met up at a mastermind too. Yep. And I think the key takeaway here is like, if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, every single day, eventually you're all gonna cross paths. If you give up any, any certain point, then, you know, you'll probably not cross paths with these people.
3: Yeah, I, w- I was listening to this uh, Tony Robbins interview and something he said about, you know, Steph Curry and the amount of shots that he makes in private versus the amount of shots that he's made in his career and the ratio is so disproportional, like millions of shots in private and then only a couple thousand shots that he's made and he's the world's greatest shooter. And the quote that he talked about uh, that he said, and I was like, this is so powerful, is that you're rewarded in public for, you to, for what you do in private. Yeah. And, and it was just like that, you know, you yeah. keep doing one step at a time and over long-term compounding is probably one of the most wonderful, yeah. um, thing that exists.
2: By the way, Neil and I have an agency owners group called the agency owners association. All you have to do, just go to marketing agency. Once again, it's marketing agency to learn more. And now back to the show. You had a phrase this morning, so we were working out and it was uh, the, there's a negative compounding phrase,
3: what is it? Uh, well, it was a mental model I was talking about that, that I came up with, I call it the frustration coefficient. Um, and I think it leads us to make irrational decisions that will interrupt compounding unnecessarily. And as the late great Charlie Munger said, never interrupt compounding unnecessarily. Um, and the frustration coefficient, it's as real as gravity. You don't see it, but it's happening. And the way to think about it is let's say somebody did something and it made you a little, you got a little annoyed. You didn't say anything the next time that person did the exact same thing, nothing different, but your annoyance factor is X plus one. And after that is X plus one plus one, right? So it's, it keeps going up by a factor. Um, and one day you just blow up and that can lead to a lot of negativity, relationships getting broken. Maybe you, you end up selling a business that you really loved um, because you were frustrated about the wrong things. Your perspective on it and your attitude towards it was not right. So frustration coefficient can be uh, deadly and you need to be mindful about that. So that's a situation where you should interrupt the negative compounding. Absolutely, you need yeah. to practice radical candor and you need to uh, you know, be upfront and be transparent yeah. about what it is and you know, clear the air.
4: That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic.
2: We talked about this maybe a couple of years ago, but what is the, what is the right way for people to handle? Okay, let me rephrase this. So let's say you have an, you have someone that you work with, right? They keep making the same mistake over and over. You learned over the years that it's not the right thing to
3: blame the person necessarily. What do you, what do you do instead? Well, one it's important to emphasize to the other person is that you're in the same team and you're working towards the same goal and towards the same mission and when you approach the situation that way it's no longer a personal attack on the other person and when you're talking about hey I care for you and I am giving you this feedback because I want you to to see you do better. So it's not about critiquing the person, you're criti- critiquing the situation and learning from that situation and how we can do better. And that's what all of us are doing anyways all the time. You know what's interesting, it, it, it works, right? It works to an
2: extent, but some people, they take it so personally still, even if you say you're attacking the problem, and then it's just like, you just see them get more and more defeated. Others, they get more and more motivated when you do flip it, right? Yeah. Um, have you seen that happen?
3: Well, I think you know it's hard not to take things personally because, if, especially if you're a high performer and you take pride in the work that you're doing, and if someone comes in and says, "Hey, you know, there might be some opportunities for us to improve," one, you got to take a step back and say, "Yes, everybody can improve, and nobody's perfect," and that's just sort of like your self-awareness at that at that level. Um, but when that happens, you have to stop, take a pause, and you know bring that centering exercise back. Hey, remember. I am not attacking you. I believe that you are very capable. You're a smart person. You're a high performer. Um, and we're working on the same team. So our goal is not to tear each other apart. Yeah. The goal is to tackle the problem head on um, and learn from the mistakes that we're making or the opportunities that we have to improve. And if someone says that they have no room to improve, and I think, you know, you, you have an impasse. Yeah,
2: well, let's, 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 let's go with this one. So, you know, the, the air gets thinner as you continue to climb higher, right? And you know, earlier we talked about the importance of masterminds and everything, but how do you maintain your friendships with other high performers? Cause high performers like hang out with high performers, right? Yep.
3: Um, I think you always have to have something valuable to contribute to a group. If you are a taker over time, um, your circle will get, you know, smaller and smaller. Um, but if you give unconditionally, uh, it, what it does it, it compounds goodwill. I think that's probably the most powerful form of compounding is when you're compounding goodwill in the world like relationship relationship capital um and i I just say compounding goodwill because there's no um i'm not expecting anything in return if you ask me a question today about anything that's going on in your business and i you know share my perspective or my experience with it i don't own any equity stake in your business Mm -hmm. there you know whether you do that or you don't do that it has Mm -hmm. no impact on my personal life whatsoever but if it does end up doing positive for you i think the world will be better yeah. and that's the way i approach it and i think when you approach it that way and I, a lot of high performers that i that at least are i'm friends with mm-hmm. um have the same world view right it, we used to be in a lot of different masterminds but now it's like okay
2: there's probably one forum you know one like you know like a peer like a reach founders retreat like what we do over here um, what did you, okay. When, in your early twenties, how many of these groups were
3: you in and how many are you in now? You know, in, in when I first started, I was going to every conference cause you have to do that when you're in, in the early days, you nobody do, knows you. Yeah. Nobody okay. knows you. You're putting your brand out there. Um, so I, I was going to a lot of events. I mean, that's how you learn what works, what doesn't work, what you like, what you don't like. I was on the stage. I was speaking at conferences, thousands of people. Um, I was doing a lot of that. Like I don't even remember. I've attended hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousand conferences over over my career. Um, now I'm very very selective about the groups that I'm in, the conversations that I'm having. I would much rather prefer to go on a on a one on one lunch or one on one dinner with with a friend and catch up, uh, versus being. Um, going to a 300-people event. I, I'd much rather prefer 10-people event like the one we're at right now than larger ones. Yeah, and what I'm hearing is you want to go deep instead of wide. I, I think you learn more that way. Yeah. I want to. When you are at an event, large event, everybody's talking about wins, mm-hmm. right? Nobody talks about failures. Yeah. I think we learn more from failures than we learn from wins. Yeah. I think one of our advantages at Awesome Motive or at basically any of my companies is that we fail faster than other people. Mm-hmm. One of my companies is failing at something and another one is failing at a different thing. Another one is failing at a different thing. And it is my job to learn the, you know, learn from those, combine that knowledge and distill it back out to all the different teams. Yep. Um, and I think that's probably our biggest advantage is Got we it. fail faster than anyone else. So let's talk about Automotive. Awesome so what does that look like now? It's, it's,
2: to me, it's a holding company of WordPress businesses, but you can go ahead. I, I don't like the word holding company. Okay. It's
3: actually not a holding company. What do you call it? it's a management company okay Uh, you know explain that first so when i when i was starting out i all of our businesses are completely separate uh, Uh businesses um because i believe that you cannot build solutions to solve problems that you don't fully understand that's very important so when one company tries to do 18 different things they're terrible at all 18 of them but when you Put relentless focus and go deep on that one thing you're going to build the best solution so all of our companies are independent independent leadership independent operations independent gm's independent everything not no resource sharing going on uh, in there so so like ultimately what awesome Motive is doing is it's is a glorified management um company where you know I will give advice. Um, I'm an investor in many, many companies at this point. Some I own wholly, um, some I own majority stakes, some I own minority stakes, and and, and yeah, so that's that's how I, I think about automotive. Okay. And how many
2: acquisitions? How many wholly owned acquisitions did you do last year? And uh, what else? That, well, we'll we'll start with that first.
3: Last year, uh, we did twelve. We okay. did twelve full acquisitions, um, where I just bought the whole companies. And then um, in, and then I did four minority stake deals. I call them the growth fund. There's no other investor in my fund. Yeah. So it's just my personal, per, personal capital um, where I invested to acquire 30% or more in yeah. minority stakes. Yeah. And so why, I mean, you know, to, people might ask, why 30%? Why not go for a majority of 51%? When you're working with founders, you realize that not every founder wants to exit the whole business. you know, they're really committed uh, to what they're doing. I mean, one of the investments that I did uh, that we actually just announced uh, this earlier this week is called Groove, mm-hmm. Groove HQ. Yeah, yeah. It's a top-rated customer support software. And Alex, the founder, believes that the work he's doing in Groove is his personal legacy. He did not want to exit. He had offers to exit to a private equity company. He didn't want to exit. Rather, he wanted a strategic partner that has the same values. I'm a bootstrap founder, so I understand what the founders are looking for. And not every founder builds the business to make it a billion dollar company that's not true vast majority of companies are not going to be billion dollar companies Um, so sometimes you're doing it a lot of times you're doing it because you're passionate about what you're doing and you want to provide for your family at the end of the day Mm -hmm. so we had a lot of uh, alignment in terms of our life beliefs and so on and he just wanted someone uh, who can offer strategic guidance um, marketing power and so on um, and that's what we did so I'm completely okay you know, coming alongside another bootstrap founder. Um, And it's actually something I wished I had when in the earlier days when, you know, if I I had found someone, I probably would have done that because that would have helped me accelerate my growth a lot. I know how your your frameworks work, so you, but you feel free to share whatever you wanna share here. But like in terms of, because
2: there's so many companies here, there's certain things that you look at to stay on track or stay on top of things, and then you'll proactively reach out if, you know, in certain situations. So how does that framework
3: look if you wanna share it? Yeah, I mean, so every company is autonomous in, in that because I'm not a superhuman. I have 24 hours in the day just like everybody else have it. So the key is to have um, good fundamentals, good rules, good uh, you know, good vision, good um, annual planning. We use EOS in a lot yeah, of our yeah. businesses. And so you have a VTO, which is the vision traction organizer. So those are like your guiding principles and when there's alignment with the general manager or the founder that's running those businesses, they, it continues to grow. Of course, you have to make sure incentives are aligned, which is incentives and insecurities are the two most powerful forces that drive human behavior. So you have to make sure those are aligned. And after that, all what I'm looking at is the PL you know, and I will chat with the, with the GM or the founder, depending on how senior they are either. I will talk to them uh, once a quarter. I'll talk to them once a month um, just to kind of be, be, add my input or offer any advice if they need it. But you know, if something's wrong in those metrics, then I'll hop on a call and say, Hey, uh, what's going on here.
2: And you're looking at like, it's like red light, green light, yellow light, right? Pretty much. You're basically looking at a scorecard.
3: Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the only way, you yeah. know, you have to, it, it has to be color coded and it's not super fancy. It's yeah. like a spreadsheet.
2: Yeah. And, but they're, and they're, all the spreadsheets are kind of all con- interconnected, right? At yes, the end of the day. They are. Yeah. Um, I, you just said a powerful phrase, it's incentives and insecurities that are the most powerful driving forces in, I guess in humans, right? So what, what is that? In shaping human behavior. Yeah.
3: So most things that we do are driven by an incentive. So for example, if you're working out every morning, like we did today, um, that's because we want to live healthy. That's an incentive. But what's the real incentive? We want to live longer. We want to have a better quality of life. So those are the incentives. Now for some people, it might be that, their insecurities might be driving it maybe they're like i want to look good maybe they think they don't think that they look great yet maybe they're like hey i want to fit in uh, in better clothes or you know shape fitted clothes or whatever so it could be insecurities it could be incentives but almost always those are the two driving forces that are um, shaping human behavior and i actually believe there is a thing called an insecurity score oh okay um, and it's invisible, just like the, the, okay. uh, the frustration coefficient. So you will have in, in your company, then you'll find this is you have someone that's a very high performer and, at their job. And you both agree that they should p- be promoted because of course you wanna reward uh, your team members and you wanna help them grow in their careers. And they go into the next role and they're crushing it. And then they go in the next role, they're crushing it. And then they go in the next role and all of a sudden the performance just tanks. And you wonder what happened um what really is going on sometimes may, maybe you hit the ceiling and maybe they're they're not skilled and uh, you know maybe you gave them a little challenge too big at which point you can identify those but what i have learned a lot of times it is around insecurities the, the you know they feel more nervous the responsibilities are too high the fear of loss gets so much that it away their confidence and they're not making those decisions that they were making before at the same fast pace which is you know hurting their output so i call that the insecurity line and then you need to make sure okay um you make a fair checklist at that point what are you afraid of um and you write those things down and you and you figure out how you can eliminate those so they can continue to make those decisions faster like they were doing before so they can continue to be a productive member of the team
2: Can you share a story, you don't have to give names obviously, but share a story about how you did this because it sounds
3: interesting, I'd I'd like to hear an example. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we we at at all of my companies, I really believe in promoting from within because I believe someone who has been with you for a very long time, they should be rewarded, they understand your system, they should continue to grow with you because what I would like to do is build a generational company. I wanna work with people who I enjoy working with for the rest of my life. And I want to keep doing it till I'm 90, 94,
2: 95. Generational to you is like till you die, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Generational to me is
3: pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and generation, I guess, is defined like 25 years. Okay. Right? That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like the definition yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of generation. Yeah. So I want to build a generational, so multi generations. Um, who knows? Maybe our team members' kids are also working at, yeah. at one of the many companies yeah. that who knows how many we own at that, at that point, how many I own at that point. So, so as we're promoting, um, you know, one of the people, real rock star, let's say in marketing, real, real rock star. Um, and we say, okay, Hey, now you should, uh, lead a team instead of going from an individual contributor to a team, there's some roadblocks there. Oh, well, should I like, you know, they're great at individual tasks, but not okay with giving feedback. So you need to go, you know, provide them with training and so on on those things. Um, but then there's an insecurity, like, Hey, this was my peer before and now um the relation dynamics have changed and i feel that if i give this you know feedback to that Mm -hmm. my relationship might be you know broken and that's insecurities yeah because you're negotiating with yourself at that point yeah you should never do that and so is this something, by the way, like, it sounds like this is the insecurity score. So it feels like
2: it's helpful to refresh for everyone in the company every quarter or something like that.
3: Yeah, especially if you're a manager and you have you have teams, um, you need to be on the lookout for that, you know, uh, and this is one of the things that EOS helps with. If you have the L10 scorecards, which is a level 10 meeting, mm-hmm. if you read yeah. the book Traction yeah, yeah. by Gino Wickman, it talks about that. But um, if you have those scorecards and the accountability pieces, you will know uh, when someone who's a high performer they drop. Usually, when when the performance drops for a high performer, it's because something external has happened. Um, maybe something's going on there in their life. Maybe. Maybe something uh, you know is impacting. The, maybe the role changed. This environment changed, uh, and you need to be aware of that. And when you d- you know double tap on that, double yeah. click on that, and um, so it reveals. It, and is
2: that you doing it? Because you know us as entrepreneurs, like we're not the most empathetic people. But I have your personality score. I have mine too. I yeah. know how empathetic we are. But like it's we build frameworks. So yes. how, Who does this for you?
3: so you know I I have to work myself to do this Um, I'm very straight shooter right I'm a busy I like to say I'm a busy wig what you see is what you get Um, and I have to work on that and make sure that you know when I'm presenting the feedback or giving someone feedback I'm conscious of the feelings of the other person Mm. as well Um, but what's the most important part is that my goals are aligned with the other person i care for the other person deeply um and i want them to succeed because if they succeed that's how we succeed um you know so one of the things that i i believe is that i believe people should win i believe people deserve more i believe they should win and they should win more often um and uh, you know those are my personal um values and that's what are, are defining everything that we're doing and i think these are universal truths, actually. These are not even values. These are universal truths that are going to be, that were true 50 years from now, fifty years ago. They're true now. They'll be true 100 years from now.
2: Dude, that's very presidential of you. You weren't <laughs> born in the U.S., right? You, you can't <laughs> yeah. become president. I can't become he, president. You can become governor, though. <laughs> um, one, one powerful thing that you, you said was, um, the phrase you use is, people, people should see
3: acquisitions as paid media. What do you mean by that? Oh, <laughs> the, the private conversation that we were having earlier. Yeah, um, I, I was talking about uh, you, there was a big shift that happened in my career. So I'm a blogger, um, <laughs> which means you're you know you're founder, you're entrepreneur, you're running a media company as He's much as more call, than a blogger as as, as as they call it these days. You're a content creator, you have a media company, whatever. Well, at the end of the day, you're a blogger. <laughs> uh, so so I was an entrepreneur i built one software company um and there was a shift in my mental mindset was going from an entrepreneur to a capital allocator and i learned this from warren buffett right Uh, and one of the things he says is that i am a better investor because i'm a businessman and i'm a better businessman because i'm an investor so at the end of the day all what you're doing as a ceo is you're allocating capital, whether you're allocating it towards hiring, whether you're allocating towards marketing and uh, what whatnot. Right. So when you start thinking about, um, CAC and you're spending paid buying paid ads, um, some of the companies are spending like forward revenue on CAC, right? Four or five CAC. And, um, at which point I think buying an adjacent company is far more lucrative because, um, most businesses don't trade at super duper high multiples that you might read on TechCrunch or yeah. whatever, right? Most businesses trade at normal valuations. Um, and when you do the math, it, the capital allocation towards acquisition of adjacent businesses work out to be better than PPC. Go on. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so example, example, like, you know, let, let's let's do simple math. Let's say you're spending $100 to acquire a business okay, and uh, acquire, acquire a customer, but you're, you, you know, but you're making $50, so you're spending two years because you know the customer is going to expand in value or whatever. Um, you can buy a business at two times revenue um, that might not be growing, but they already have all the customers that you have. Because there's only three ways to grow a business, if you're, especially if you're in a subscription business. There's only three ways to grow it. You can get new customers, you can expand your existing customers, or you can reduce churn. Like there is no other growth levers. Everything else falls in between these buckets. Uh, and when you say, okay, well, new customers, how can you do it? You can make YouTube videos, you can um, buy ads, you can do content marketing. I means there's a zillion ways, but probably the best way is you can just acquire another business. You buy a company and then you can
2: expand those customers too if you have adjacent Absolutely. services and Absolutely. products.
3: The, the the math works out to be much better. Yeah.
4: Right Rug Flooring.